0: welcome to the follow the leaders podcast where we get a glimpse into the minds and lives of exceptional leaders and hear about their experiences insights and strategies for success on today's episode we'll hear from one heart-centered effective leader and hear about their wisdom and perspective so get ready to follow along hello and welcome back to the show many of you listening are business owners and heads of companies or are considering stepping into one of those roles So this episode today is for you. I am joined by a leader whose expertise in organizational growth has a huge impact, not only on his own organization, but on the companies he supports through his work. My conversation today is with Patrick Snyder. Patrick is the president of BizStarts and the founder of BizStarts Community Market and BizStarts Institute. BizStarts brings entrepreneurs together from all backgrounds, ethnicities, and beliefs to create a collaborative learning environment. That embodies positivity, inspires confidence, and develops people's capacity to achieve personal success and business growth. BizStarts provides entrepreneurship education, training, one-on-one coaching, and connections to resources. All services are free of charge. Revenues and impact have tripled at BizStarts since Patrick's tenure as Executive Director began. Prior to BizStarts, Patrick served as executive director of the United States Association for Small Business and Entrepreneurship for five years, where he grew reserves from 28K to over 500,000. Patrick has his BA in communications from Eastern Illinois University, an IOM designation from the U.S. Chambers Institute for Organizational Management at the University of Notre Dame, and holds a graduate certificate in leadership from the University of Wisconsin Madison. Patrick, congratulations on all of your success and your impact, and welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jamie. I enjoy being here, and I love what you're doing also.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I'm so excited to talk. I would love to learn more about what your current work entails as executive director of your organization. Can you fill us in on what your work life there looks like?
1: Certainly. The first thing is, when I took over, I was coming from the United States Association for Small Business and Entrepreneurship. It's like the American Medical Association, but it's for PhDs of entrepreneurship. I was lucky to be there, but serving on the board of BizStarts, I was complaining that we need to focus on assurance of learning and we need to focus on programs that actually get people from point A, meaning an idea on a napkin, to being in business. And I had a lot of horsepower coming from an educational association that taught entrepreneurship, And John Owen, who was the CFO of Harley at that time said, if you want to leave your international organization and run our club, we'll we'll let you do it, Patrick. And that's what I'm focused on now is creating educational programs and programming that gets people from an idea and a napkin to to having their enterprise get going. So like most non-for-profits, part of my day is meeting with foundations and potential funders and donors, which, which I really love uh, because we get to tell the story of Biz starts. We get to give case studies on our entrepreneurs that we've had people literally coming from poverty to running companies. They're doing sales in different countries, and they like the work we're doing. So they're generous with us. We also have a very generous board of directors. So part of the day is fundraising. Another part is calling on some of the country's best universities And getting them to offer credentialed education. So the reason why we do that is if you go to a school like the University of Notre Dame, that's really great. Their entrepreneurship program is the top 10 in the country. Or you go to Florida State University, where we have uh, a retail laboratory now, meaning a store in Walker's Point where we sell all our entrepreneurs' products. Oh, cool. And FSU has graduated, (laughs) people from C-Suite, from Kohl's, Nordstrom's, Macy's, and they come, and when I say credentialed, they put together a half-day program, say, on retail merchandising for the people that are in our store. That credential then can be used when you're going to a bank Mm -hmm. for capital. It can be used if for some reason your idea doesn't make it, You now have a credential from Notre Dame and Florida State, which you didn't have that you got for free. So you weren't burning through resources going to different schools to get these credentials. So that's another part of my day. And then a good part of my day is also just advising the entrepreneurs. So when I was younger, I had a magazine in Chicagoland on Chicago's North Shore that I had a a decent exit from. And that company, along with my mom's company, were both bootstraps, meaning that we customer funded the business. We did businesses without getting any loans. We got proof of concept by selling to customers before we actually had an actual business. And that's what we try to teach the entrepreneurs is don't go looking for money. Go looking for proof of concept and customers. And then you'll have bankers (laughs) taking the ballgames, asking you to loan money that you don't
0: I love that. That's so interesting. Okay. So this popped up so many more questions for me. How did you move through your career path to this point? Fill us in a little bit more. You have such an interesting background. How did you get to this point where you're running this organization?
1: Yeah. So what happens in life, and I'm an older person, so I can speak as an older person, is that you know each part of your life is a thread and it becomes to be a, a fabric and then eventually a blanket that you can wear. And coming out of a small school like Eastern, I felt like I had to do my own business because nobody wanted to hire a graduate from a small school in Illinois. So I went to the wealthiest area of Chicago, which is kind of like the spot on the lake between Evanston and Lake Bluff and where all the famous John Hughes movies were shot. So you can imagine the culture. And I was just walking around with a cover of what the magazine would look like and the coverage area and the stores that agreed to have the magazine and ask people to give me a shot. And when we sold enough ads to create the first one, people started seeing the magazine and calling and asking how they could get advertising. And I could go on and on with stories about that magazine. But I traded for an ad at the Multiplex in Deerfield so I could have a membership where the Bulls worked out. Okay. And Hazel Gilletts, who was literally a beauty queen, sat across from me and I said, "I, I don't have any money to give you, but I'll give you an ad. And what that did was open the door because the wealthiest people on the North Shore were members of that club. And all they knew about me was that I was young, I had a magazine, and I was a member of the same club as them. And the an ad that I traded for created more revenue in the long term than anything I ever sold or anything I ever learned in school. that one trade Wow, but when the magazine sold, I waited on the Governor of the state of Illinois at his country club when I was in college, and you talk about those threads. Well, the tourism job came up, and I knew all the hotels and restaurants because of the selling them the ads, so I I took over tourism for the state of Illinois for six years, a group called Visit Illinois. And I started teaching at Roosevelt University. And I had this love of teaching. And fast forward the story, this, this job at USA's became a United States Association, and, and I applied and they gave me the position. And I, I always loved the group of academics, but I knew it wasn't going to be the end of my career, that I was going to be able to somehow leverage that to help a lot of people, and that's exactly what we do at biz starts help a lot of people.
0: That story is so inspiring and I love your threads metaphor. As my career evolves, that's something that I'm finding to be true and I work with a lot of business owners or business owners to be and and this is the message that I also try to send to them is like you don't have to know exactly where it's headed. It will all piece together. So, I really I really love that. So, would you consider yourself someone who starts before it's perfect? I mean, I your magazine story was really inspiring.
1: Uh, Yeah, 100%. You know, there's a thing in entrepreneurship that's discussed at sort of the academic level, and it's called the intrinsic loop. And I love this intrinsic loop because it proves that you can be an entrepreneur with no special talent. You can be an entrepreneur with no money. You can be an entrepreneur that has lack of access to resource and capital. And if you get into this loop, You will succeed. So the loop says that you become passionate about solving a problem, whatever that problem is. So Mother Teresa is exactly, has the same entrepreneurial aptitude as Bill Gates. Just how do I make computers easier or how do I feed the world? You know? And then you get so excited about the problem. You go out yourself and you, you learn like, how do I make it better? How do I make it better? That breeds success and then it comes back around because then you want to learn more. Yeah. So you're just in this continuous loop, and I, I think that that's a good takeaway for any entrepreneur: is that if you're not driven crazy by the fact that somebody is doing your problem wrong, <laughs> then you're in the wrong business. Like you got to find something. That it drives you nuts that everybody else is doing it the wrong way and you can do it the right way.
0: Well, I that is so incredibly true and inspiring. And I'm going to use your story about selling ads in a magazine that wasn't even printed as like, yes, we need to go and and start. It's never going to be quote ready. We don't need to be totally ready. We just need to be willing to, like you said, go crazy solving a problem or or be willing to stay up at night, like figuring out, okay, how do we want this to look and feel and and being willing to just put ourselves out there? I mean, so I obviously am the host of this podcast, but I also am the owner of the podcast network. And this was the same. I had a, a colleague who was interested in starting a podcast, but she didn't know how to do that. And I was like, well, I'm a podcast nerd. I listen to like eight to 15 podcasts a day. I have my morning list and my afternoon list and my evening list, you know? And I was like, well, I can figure out how to start a podcast. I'll I'll solve this problem. And then I was like, well, actually, I'm not just gonna help you start a podcast. I wanna create a home for these podcasts. And it started with a Google search. How do you start a podcast network? You just learn and you go. You're speaking my language and right right to my heart. I love it.
1: Yeah, you know, there was another... Magazine on the North Shore called North Shore Magazine. And it, it's still published, I think, by Asher Birnbaum. But they had this huge warehouse with these printing presses mm-hmm. and all this overhead. And then there were small boutique shops that could never afford to run with Asher because it, it just cost mm-hmm. too much money. And I'm like, we could do that on a desktop. And this is way back then when it was a new thing. But I didn't know how to desktop publish. I I walked into Copycat in Evanston, (laughs) Illinois. I saw their top designer and I said, do you want to start a magazine? (laughs) And and by the way, I don't have any money to pay you. So, you know, we're both sweat equity here. I know how to sell. You know how to lay it out. Let's do it, you know. But you don't need to know anything except how to go find information.
0: That's so, so incredibly true. So I'm so curious. As a part of my work, I also own a program that, Provides personal and professional development opportunities for moms that want to start and grow their business, and I am always looking for you know these rich opportunities for them to learn and grow. And it really sounds like BizStarts is such a great resource that I can help direct them to. And so I'm curious, who should reach out to BizStarts, and what do they learn from you? I know you mentioned. The education and the coaching and all of that, but what what does that actually practically look like? And who is your ideal customer?
1: Sure. So, you know, there are other community programs out there, and I've seen hundreds of them because I because of running U.S.A.S.P. You know, either they come from the university or the city themselves, and a lot of them are the same in that they're a six week boot camp that teach you your numbers, your marketing, you, you know, how to interview a potential customer when you're developing your product, and then there's a pitch competition, and then it's over. So we tell all our entrepreneurs that if you have an idea for the product, the first thing you should do is make sure that it's going to be the absolute best. Otherwise, you're going to have to compete on price. And if you lower your price, then the next person that comes into the market is going to think that's exactly how. And everybody lowers their prices till they're out of business, like coffee shops. And then Starbucks comes along with free Wi-Fi and better coffee and an an Italian coffee experience. And everybody loses. But if you're already Starbucks, then they have to compete on price. And they're all losing money while you're getting $6 for a cup of coffee when they can charge $1 or $2 because they're competing on price. So we do this six-week boot camp. But then afterwards, they're connected with student consultants. And we have honors students at Marquette. We have students that are part of the Collegiate Entrepreneurship Organization at UW-Milwaukee. We, we get help um, from Alverno for our Spanish-speaking students. And we also do the program in American Sign Language. So we, oh, cool. we want to include everybody oh, wow. that we can. So what those students do is everything that you would pay out of your pocket to do, they do free of charge. So... They set up your website, they get your numbers into QuickBooks, we get free legal from Marquette University. And then we have subject matter experts. So if you're that are non-competitive. So if you're thinking about a food service business, you might get someone like Giacomo Falcone, who's the chairman of the board at Palermo's Pizza, telling you, like, this is how you get your product into stores, this is how you get shelf space, this is where you get your food license. And, you know, accounting, we can we, we can get them together with our golf at Baird. Or, wow. So th- there's more expert level advice. And then the last thing that we kind of figured out was a lot of our, our people have physical products like beautiful bath bombs and candles and food and beverages. So they were saying, well, I, I can't go into, say, Sendex and have a sheet that says this is how much shelf space I have here and I'm doing a sell-through at this rate and professionally do a presentation because I don't have that data. Mm. So we were like, let's build a store. <laughs> so so now, cool. now we have this beautiful market in uh, Walker's Point, the Biz Starts community marketplace. We sell coffee from Puerto Rico. We sell all the items that I mentioned, plus a lot more, including clothing. So yeah, hopefully people can stop by at 161 South First Street and say hello.
0: I love that. That is so so cool. I mean, it's it's really brilliant. It's a great like loop. It's oh, it's so great. So if somebody's like, well, am I the right person to reach out to BizStarts? At what point do you receive these potential entrepreneurs? Are have they already started their business? Are they thinking about it? Who should reach out to you?
1: Yeah. So anybody that thinks that they're under resourced. Would be a super good candidate because if, if somebody had the means, they could do the four year route at Wharton and have an unbelievable entrepreneurship background and actually make contacts and connections in terms of a network that would really blow you up when you got out of college. Like, And they have access to uh, venture debt and you know tremendous seed rounds and, and series A rounds. But if you're not that person, if you're someone who might not uh, might have gone to college, but it, you were in art school and you don't know how to start a business, or if you're somebody that maybe didn't even go to college, needs to know the basics because you have the hustle skills to get there, That's those are the people I love to see.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. I work with a lot of moms, like I mentioned, who they may, may have gone to college, but for something totally unrelated, and now they're in a phase of life where they're especially now with COVID having upended the family systems for work and everything like that. And they have ideas or they're like, I really, you know, someone said, you should really sell that. Like, you're really good at this, but they may believe in themselves that they can do it, but might not have the resources. And so I can help them with some of the beginning stages, but then they kind of get to like, okay, I really do need a formal accounting system, or I do need some legal consultation, or I'm ready to trademark something. And so it sounds like that's the that's the entry point for for biz starts. Is that
1: yeah? I, I mean, I, I'm just crazy about what you do for the moms because you know my mom was an immigrant. She came here from Italy. She didn't speak the language. I, I was a kid. I would follow around, and people would make fun of her accent. Mm-hmm. I I was so polluted by society. I made fun of her accent. You know, and and, and literally, they were offering her two sixty five an hour to sweep wow. the floors. We lived in Des Plaines, yeah. Illinois at the time in a three flat, and. She she read an article in the newspaper that said that this lady slipped and fall leaving her assisted living facilities, and she was like, I could beautify those ladies in so they never have to leave this spot. Like, so she thought the problem was leaving could cripple you. So she she ended up opening six beauty shops in these assisted living facilities, and in 1974 she was instead of making two sixty five an hour, she was making a thousand bucks a day.
0: Wow, and
1: it I grew up with a mom that did what you're trying to do, so uh, you know my hat's off to you because that's awesome. <laughs> that's the power of entrepreneurship.
0: <laughs> I do have a soft spot in my heart for helping moms do this because being a parent in general has so many different facets, but being a mom, it takes you know i'm I'm biased I'm a mom, I have three teenage kids now, but you gain so many skills from motherhood and you come into motherhood with so many skills. And so I just find that it's so enriching to work with moms. I work with a lot of new moms that are starting their business as they try to fit in all of their top priorities. They really are figuring out what is my priority in life. They want to use their minds and their abilities that are great and effective outside of the home and still be there for their families. And so creating a business that can support both of these, they feel like coming in so often they have to have the finished magazine. They have to have the product ready to go. But really, like we talked about, it's so much about just taking your idea and believing that you will figure it out that growth mindset and and then connecting with resources like biz starts they're out there there's people like you that are out there trying to serve and help that and so i i'm yeah. just i'm so excited to learn about your organization and definitely will be sharing it because what an amazing resource okay so we've sort of touched on this a little bit but you have so much knowledge, so I just want to pick your brain for a moment. What advice would you give someone who has a great business idea and maybe has gained some traction with selling their idea, but is ready to really take things to the next level and scale their impact? Are there a few things that you'd recommend for them?
1: Yeah, that passion piece is 100%. If the problem doesn't drive you crazy and the idea of solving it doesn't delight you, then you re- it's... Re- Just trying to make money is not going to, it's not going to work. The second part is this idea of starting in a phase development kind of approach. Bella, who does Puerto Rican coffee at the shop, we said, go visit some farmers Mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico if you want to import the coffee. And she was going over there anyway. She didn't know how to roast the coffee. And we knew that Sam's for Jazz was roasting their own coffee. And we connected them. And he said, I'd be happy to show you how to roast coffee. She didn't know how to package the coffee. And we had a a former Coles executive that was a buyer that advises the biz starts people on how to do packaging for the store. Then she got the packaging down. So the imported beans are coming in. You know, she learns how to roast them. She's got the packaging in the bag and now she's the number one product that sells at the biz start store. Wow. And three months ago, she was wandering around the mountains in Puerto Rico and completely clueless like we were, it's kind of the same way for biz starts is, you know, I, I knew that I wanted better education, but I didn't know how to educate people that are under resource because I come from t- traditional academia. But then I found out there was this professor Morris at the University of Notre Dame, and he had literally done 126 scholarly articles on entrepreneurship, out of getting you out of poverty, mm-hmm. and 12 books, and ran six top five programs. And I was like, Michael, you know, can you, <laughs> and he didn't even know who I was, he, you know. Yeah. And he's, yeah, you want to write 100 hours of com- curriculum with me and come down to Notre Dame every you know week to watch the program. 'Cause he wanted to make sure I was committed. Mm-hmm. And two years later, he and I have co-wrote a book that's gonna come out in December. Oh, well,
0: congratulations. Where I've never
1: been a published offer. Yeah, thank you. And and the other stuff too, I was sitting next to a deaf person at a bar and and no one was talking to him. So I started texting and then it turned out he was a professor. And I he asked what I did, and I said, I'm you know, I I run a charity and he's like, What do you do for deaf people? And I'm like well, I guess we better yeah, totally. get going. Yeah, 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 so you know, I mean, I operate in the program the same way I want my entrepreneurs to, to operate. It's being curious, being very quick to fail, to consider failure falling forward. Like that, I didn't fail; mm-hmm. I, just, I just learned something, and now I'm that much closer to to being better and better. And I, I, you know, I. I want to be the best in the world at training entrepreneurship, and I hope that every single person that has a product with us wants to do the same thing.
0: We speak the same language, and I love it so much, and I want to ask you something that might be a little controversial. Yeah. So the idea of a business plan, I'm hearing you talk about how in such a short period of time, things change, and opportunities arise, and you you take them, and that is how I operate as well. So I'm sort of anti-long-term business plans because I feel like mm-hmm. it's great to have an idea of where you want to head, but to lock in numbers and, and deadlines and dates and everything like that, I tend to shy away from that because I would never, every single year my business grows in a way that I would, like. it wasn't even a twinkle in my eye the previous year. And so I'm just curious, you know, what do you do for your businesses and your programs and what do you advise people to do on that front?
1: Well, you know, we tell a story in the class about a lady who literally just wanted a simple cleaning business, and then she knew that she could get more cleaning in hospitals, Uh, so she started doing that. And then she found out that she, and this is a true story, she found out that if you clean like hazardous waste, like bio waste, they call it, uh, that you can get a lot more money. But she also learned that to be certified in bio waste cleaning and teach it is a very easy process. Hmm. So she went from cleaning to becoming an academic institution. And what she charges for that class is a lot because of the fact that you make so much more money after and there's such a need for this bio waste that they want people getting certified monthly. And she makes a ton of money and has not used mob in forever. And and if she had a business plan, it, that would have never happened. Mm-hmm. The other thing is Bella, and I, I love talking about her, but she's roasting so much coffee that Sam's doesn't have the capacity for her now. Wow. And she's found out that there's a lot of other people that want to do these just gourmet batches for like family or a hobbyist or whatever. And her next purchase is, is not more bags of coffee, but a roaster That's because so she's cool. going in She's still going to keep her thing, but she's going to go into the roasting business. There's a lot of stuff out there like the lean model canvas, which which is okay because it gets your thoughts straight. And there's actually a model canvas that we created that's on the BizStarts website at bizstarts.com under entrepreneurial resources. Something like that, I think for one, it doesn't take much time. It'll take you 40 minutes to run through and fill in all the boxes. But the second thing it won't do is tie you down. Because I agree with you, like these business plans, the only thing that, that banks want to see is revenue. We're, we don't give money to start you up. We give you money to expand. Yeah, And if you can't show that you're selling customers, then you're not going to get any money.
0: Love it. Okay. I had a hunch that was where you stood on that, but I had to ask. So you have already achieved so much. And it seems like you probably, my guess is, Continue to take on new challenges. So, if you had your pick, like what's up next for you over the next five to ten years?
1: It's tough because I have a board to answer too, and <laughs> I don't want to be too ambitious. <laughs> I um, but, but you know, the, this this store is um, franchisable model. Cool. The trading is owned by Michael, so any any uh, growth that way would be a part of UPBI, which is the uh, Urban Poverty and Business Initiative. So. You know, my long-term thinking is how do we prove assurance of learning? So Mm. if we are a true academic institution, we have to create tests. We have to prove that the people are learning. We have to continue to gather data on how many of the businesses that we have are successful and grow that percentage to a higher percentage. And the Starbucks thing is kind of a goofy example, but it's so easy. It started off as this Euro- European coffee experience where you could do Wi-Fi and kind of and make it your own office. But they expanded into, you know, deeper lattes. They started adding food. They started adding the fruity drinks and the smoothies and things like that because they had this customer base. And the product, it did become better. Mm-hmm. I think by testing and like knowing exactly what people learned and where we failed will just keep getting better, which means a better entrepreneur. And, I, you know, right now we're probably at at 30% because our entrepreneurs don't quit. So it's not like the 10% that get a loan Mm -hmm. and then they get tired of it and all of a sudden they become a statistic. With these people, it's kind of like, if you fail, you don't have much to fall back on. Mm -hmm. And that's why we like the credential learning too. So if we could get to 50 or 60 and just this unbelievable number, you know, how, how proud we could be of all the people we served.
0: Well, I have no doubt you'll get there because of all of the things we just mentioned that you're just willing to do what it takes. And, and that looking at the numbers after the fact, that's, that's so important and also sometimes scary. And it is so important for growth. So, all right, if we zoom out, and get to the heart of what makes Patrick Snyder, Patrick Snyder. Do you have any examples of how you gravitated towards leadership as a child? Or is this more of an adult thing? Or have you always been built this way?
1: All entrepreneurs have one thing in common. And that's that they walk around looking at the world as if everybody else is messing things up. <laughs> so so they, they, they look at a tire and say, you know, if the trad, if they're an engineer, if the tread were this way, then so much more water would go away. Like, I got to fix this, you know? Yeah. Like, if you walk by a pie shop and the door isn't open with the fumes coming out, you're like, this person doesn't know what they're doing. Like, they need to get that scent of those pies going. And like, in every specific instance, you're like, well, you know, in school, and it might sound horrible, but, but I would look at my teachers and be like, they they don't learn this way. Like this, You need to use this example. When you talk about fractions, because that makes it clearer to a kid. So I was constantly challenging everything that I saw, and thinking that you know somehow we we could do it better. Someone could do it better.
0: I love it. One of my kids is is a 15-year-old son, and he definitely isn't listening to my podcast, so I can tell this story about him. But he's the one, I mean, all my kids have their own talents, and I don't expect any of them to follow in my footsteps exactly career-wise. They should find what is really best for them. But he has that in him, where he has started tutoring his friends that are in one of the other math classes, because he sees that the way that the teachers are explaining it to them makes no sense to the kids. So he's like, don't listen to them. I have a better way of explaining it to you. And so he's going over to their house after basketball practice every Monday to teach them how to do it. And he's watching their grades go up. So I I have my eye on him, whether it's being a teacher, but I really think it's that entrepreneurial, you know, he sees, he sees a different way and he's just willing to do what it takes to get there. So I have my eye on him to follow exactly what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I love that. And kudos to him and you <laughs> for raising it.
0: Oh, thank you. So yeah. you have had so much success. Are there any leadership lessons that you have learned the hard way?
1: You know, the, the hardest lesson I've learned, and I've learned it several times, is that you, you work so hard and then you begin to take things for granted. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest mistake you could possibly make. Because None of us are owed anything. So if you think all of a sudden, oh, this is getting easier or whatever, you better put a stake in the ground and figure out a way to run up that hill or you're going to be slipping backwards on that hill. And the other thing is if you were at a hotel and you were the general manager and you weren't asking your best bell person how they should be a bell person, then you've really lost out. So you need to talk to the people doing the work And let them know what your vision is. But let them know that their part is a lot like, and I'm specifically talking about leadership here, is you have to see it like the emperor's new clothes. You've gotten yourself to this position. There are people around you that always don't have your best interests. And it's going to be your younger people in the room that tell you that you're naked if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that. Family. Totally. Yeah. And I look at every new employee that way, but I let them know that I'm looking at them that way. <laughs> so they feel like, okay, they're going to respect these ideas They're that you, that I'm open to perspective. But I also, I also have to keep the fact that Patrick's vision is to have the best education program in the country. So I need to tell him how to do that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not get him, get him going in some other direction that isn't his passion because the Then he doesn't need me. He he needs someone else that can help him.
0: Right. That's really great. Does anyone come to mind that you could shout out who believed in your ability to step into these leadership roles, maybe even before you did?
1: A lot of my references from the United States Association for Small Business and Entrepreneurship were just like, based on your mom's story, this is exactly where you should be in life. And they were just incredible professors. And then down the line, when I was in tourism, there was just so many people that shaped and molded my career. And I was open to listening. And I'm talking a lot because I love talking about biz starts, But my typical relationship with people is like finding out as much as I can about them uh, and trying to be a resource. And then if something comes up, you never have to ask for help. It's not claw your way up. They're Mm -hmm. over there lifting you up because... You're taking an interest in their lives and and people just tend to want to give back.
0: This is the point of this conversation because you do have so much expertise and wisdom and perspective. And now I know so many really incredible nuggets of advice. And so I'm grateful that you're sharing today. I have a few last wrap up questions for you that are a little more quick fire. Do you have one tool or strategy that you use to stay organized and effective, whether that's like tech or paper or a decision-making framework? Or how do you stay organized?
1: Yeah, my thing is, and this might not work for everyone, but my thing is is that the most important things that you want to put off, you do those first Mm -hmm. and you pin everything else that's easy for later. Like don't mess around with that easy stuff because you can get it, get to it at 10 o'clock at night and finish 30 of those in less than a half hour, you know? Yes. But if you start messing with those things in between this big thing the big thing is always going to get pushed back. So j- get on the hard stuff first. And then it be- and when it becomes a habit, it becomes easy, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Like the hard stuff becomes easy because your mindset is, I'm going to destroy this. And then easy stuff, I'm going to you know literally eat and type with one hand <laughs> at the same time.
0: I love it. That's great. Do you have a favorite leadership book or podcast or resource that you love to share or that you continually go back to?
1: Brian Tracy, I read a lot. When I was growing up and just trying to teach myself. But there's a guy named Steve Kaplan. He started a business in his basement and sold it for $2.5 billion to Dan St- Snyder, who's no relation. Uh, it was a product sampling business. And the thing that he did in that book called Bag the Elephant was give you a step by step guide of how to get and keep really big clients. Mm-hmm. So he, he had 100 of the Fortune 500 companies, clients, meaning when he was on a sales call, the, it was worth $100,000 to $8 mm-hmm. million dollars to him. It wasn't selling product by product. And in his theory on getting big and using big clients to do it is unbelievable. The other thing is he takes you through step by step on how to talk to people and do exactly what they want. So... He, it, it's, I don't want to go through too long an explanation because it was quickfire, but the <laughs> thing that's so interesting is that a lot of people go into a sales meeting and they want to show you what you got. And what he says, is, assume that you have that meeting because they want to buy from you. So find out what they mm-hmm. want and how much of it and how you can do it better and how this experience with you is going to be better than your competitor based on what they said, not anything you said. So the whole meeting is about asking questions, putting together a proposal on what they said and give them exactly what they want. And it's it's like that with everything, you know, not just selling, but just dealing with people in general. Just like, give them what they want.
0: Yeah. I haven't heard of that book, but I will definitely add it. I'll download it. I'm an audio book kind of girl. So I will, I will download it today. I am, I'm, I'm
1: intrigued. I'm very intrigued. I stalked him. I, you know, I can get you a signed copy. He, he and I are friends now. So. Oh,
0: amazing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Even better.
1: Which proves anything can happen. Yeah, yeah
0: wow, that's wild. That's, that's super cool. This is my last question. If you had a day completely off, you could accomplish no tasks, no to-dos, not for work, not for home. You just had to totally take a day completely off. What is one activity you would do and one place you'd go to get something to eat?
1: The eating one is easy. I would go to Mount Verde Restaurant in Chicago. Okay. Where they make fresh pasta in front of you and literally squeeze olives to make the oil for your bread. It, that place is just absolutely unreal. And Robert Mosher is from Milwaukee, <laughs> who owns that place. But it, it, it'll take you two months to get a res- reservation. Okay. But during the day, what I would do is take the kids on the boat. We would tube and ski until we couldn't do it anymore. And then they're older now, so we'd have a fire after, and we'd all have a, have a beer. <laughs> That's the perfect day. Yeah,
0: it sounds like you have to plan the stay off 2 months in advance to get your reservation but but that sounds that, sound, that sounds amazing i i will be wishing that for you soon patrick thank you so much for joining me today you shared so many nuggets that i know our listeners will just soak right up and can you please tell everybody how to get in touch with you or with biz starts if they're interested in in learning more and and getting some support
1: yeah, that's uh, gracious. And, and, you know, we want entrepreneurs to knock down our door and we don't charge for anything. So, Amazing. Uh, bizstarts.com. If, if you Google us, you'll see some of the articles that have been written and more stories about our entrepreneurs. So, you can see yourself in that. And there's a contact us form on there or stop by for coffee. I'm at the store just about every day. You know, we can say hello. And, you know, just our first question is, how can we be a resource for you? And that's exactly what we want to do.
0: Well, we will definitely link everything in the show notes. And I really encourage everybody to reach out to BizStarts. It sounds like an incredible resource. And I will be looking into it as well for myself and my clients. And I'm so excited to continue to learn more. And I'll have to stop by the store sometime. It sounds amazing.
1: Thanks so much for the opportunity and. Uh, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing, and if we can be a resource in any way, let me know.
0: I definitely will. Thank you so much, Patrick, and thank you to all the listeners. We'll be back next time with another inspiring and helpful interview. Follow the Leaders is produced by Lit Path Studios, and music is by Shane Ivers. You can hear more about this show and all the other podcasts at Litpath Studios by going to www.litpathstudios.com.